Hello and welcome to episode 77 of the Corinne Ninja podcast. I am your host, Corinne Nidja, and if you haven't listened to this show previously, this show is where I share what I like to call hope stories, stories of people recovering from chronic diseases, food addiction, obesity, type 2 diabetes, heart disease, multiple sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis, Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, and so many more after adopting a low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet. I also interview doctors and other professionals in plant-based nutrition to add a bit more credibility to these incredible stories of recovery. And this is my passion because of my own health journey with multiple sclerosis, fibromyalgia, obesity, constipation, candida, just being desperately unwell in my teens and 20s and then making the transition myself in 2008 and now being over 10 years symptom and relapse free from multiple sclerosis and, and feeling incredible and getting better every day, which is even more exciting, which is why this podcast was created to pay my own blessing of great health forward, just to pay it forward. I just feel like everyone should feel as good as I feel and the guests on my show feel. And that's why this podcast exists which is why I love it when I get messages from everyone or positive feedback from you all over at iTunes. When you leave kind reviews or five-star ratings, it means the world to me because it just means people are listening and people are sharing. When you share this on social media, when you talk to your family and friends about these stories, that's the whole purpose of this podcast is to get these messages out to people. And so everyone who of you who listens and talks to your family about it or or writes to me and asks me questions about it. It all makes every single moment of what it takes, the work it takes to create and develop and produce a podcast, it makes it all worthwhile because I know that people are listening and they're changing their lives for the better and and or at least taking the steps in the right direction. And that's just all I could ever ask for. So thank you all so much for your support and for supporting this podcast in any way that you that you do. So thank you. And today I'm very excited because I love Doctors for Nutrition and they are hosting, you can check them out on their Facebook page and their website, but they are hosting the Australasian Nutrition in Healthcare Conference here in Melbourne coming up on February. So if, if you're listening to this after February 15th, I apologize, but it's coming up this weekend if you're listening in real time. It's on February the 15th. It begins and it goes for three days until late on February 17th. This conference has got so many incredible guest speakers, including Dr. Neil Barnard from the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, PCRM.org, if you want to go over to PCRM.org and find out all about his work and the work that they're doing over in the States to promote whole food plant-based diet, nutrition in healthcare, all those kinds of things, lifestyle medicine. It's incredible the work that they're doing over there. And there's so many other fantastic guests. We've got they've got diet fiction documentary and another another documentary. They've got Dr. Malcolm Mackay, Dr. from this episode, I'm not sure. The episode I think 22, Dr. Malcolm Mackay. We've got the lovely Jenny Cameron speaking. We've got Andrew Davies. We've got 
We've got Dr. Scott Stoll. We've got Dr. Luke Wilson. So Dr. Scott Stoll's from the Plantrician Project. We've got Dr. Neil Barnard, like I said, from Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine over in the States. We've got Dr. Luke Wilson from the Broad Study in New Zealand, Dr. Alan Desmond, the Devon Gut Doctor from the UK. We have registered nurse Stephen Kosmenko. There is Dr. Helene Rocks, one of the founding members of the Doctors for Nutrition from Adelaide. Emma Stutt from Brisbane. Dr. Andrew Davis, as I said, from Melbourne. I see you, doctor, and host of the New Normal Project. We have Dr. Juliet Rocks from Adelaide. Dr. J- Peter Johnston, nutritionist, PhD from Melbourne. Joel Craddock. Dr. Malcolm Mackay, as I said, Dr. Isabel Woodruff, plus patient case studies, and Clint Patterson is the MC. It's going to be incredible. It's at the Central Pier Shed in Docklands, Victoria. There's going to be talks on Friday night, Saturday, a dinner on Friday night, talks on Saturday all day, incredible informative talks. There's lectures on seminars on Sunday amazing whole food plant-based conference catering that you can enjoy. There's diet fiction to watch and a gala dinner on Friday night, which will be super fancy and beautiful. There's going to be the premiere screening of the Code Blue documentary, which I'm very, very excited to watch, and a Q&A panel with with Stephen Kosmenko, Dr. Malcolm McCart, Isabel Woodruff, and oh, episode 13 of the Corinne Ninja podcast, which was the When Life Gives Lemons Go Vegan podcast. Rebecca Stonor is going to be there sharing her multiple sclerosis story as well, which I'm very excited about. And so many great seminars on the Sunday. We've got Planting the Seed, Nutrition in Practice for Session 1. Session 2 is Wellness for All, Creating Lasting Healthy Lifestyles with Dr. Scott Stoll. We've got Session 3, Sports Nutrition, Fueling Your Fitness with Dr. Renee Thomas, who is today's guest on the podcast. Oh, and not to mention, not to forget, the fourth session is Food for Life Culinary Medicine class, Dr. Helene Rocks and Dr. Neil Barnard, and then the Diet Fiction screening after that, which is super exciting. But back to Dr. Renee Thomas. Dr. Renee Thomas, who I'm very excited. She is a medical resident over in Loma Linda, one of the blue zones over in California. And she's going to be talking all about blue zones with us today. She is going to be sharing all of her work and what it's like to be a medical student here in Australia and what it's like to be you know, a medical resident over in Loma Linda, California and to live over in Loma Linda in one of the blue zones and Telling us, teaching us a bit about what a blue zone actually is, and and what the what factors contribute to these communities across the world living, having the highest percentage of people living into over one hundred years of age, which is incredible. I'm very excited to speak to Renee today, and absolutely was thrilled to have her on the show, especially in time for the for the conference on February 15th. So please get your tickets so you can meet Renee in person and meet me and hang out with everyone. We're all going to have a huge love fest, a whole food plant-based love fest. So if you haven't got your tickets, please go over to the Doctors for Nutrition Facebook page or Doctors for Nutrition website and get your tickets and come along. I can't wait to meet you. So 
Without further ado, here is Dr. Renee Thomas sharing all of her greatness with us all. Hello, Dr. Renee Thomas, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm just going to call you Renee because it seems long saying Dr. Renee. You can just call me Renee. Renee is fine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Renee, I know that you are in town. I don't know if it's specifically because I know you have family in Perth, but you've come all the way over from the United States to attend the Australasian Nutrition in Healthcare Conference. It's being held on the weekend of the 15th to the 17th here in Melbourne. And I'm excited because Dr. Nobana is going to be there as well as you and all my other favourite plant-based doctors that I know and love. It's going to be great. I'm super, super excited. Yes, I think it's nearly sold out. So everyone, if you're listening, get the last, I think there's like 20 tickets left. So, and then you can meet me, Renee, Dr. Neil Barnard, you know, we can fangirl about everyone that we love (laughs) (laughs) or fanboy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So for anyone who doesn't, I saw you at Dr. Clapper's event, which was which was the nutrition nutrition in medicine symposium in two thousand seventeen. Was at that rest at the restaurant? That one? Mm. I can't remember. <laughs> or the what the health screening? We had that one as well. Yes, yeah, that might have been it. The what the health screening. So anyway, I saw you, loved you, and I was excited to have you on the show from there. So it's been a year and a half, and here you are. <laughs> well, thank you for your patience with my schedule. I appreciate it. I'm no. glad we're finally here. No, that's totally fine. So can you just give people a bit of your background and your how you came across plant-based eating and your journey, as I guess, as a medical resident? Sure. So my story actually started a really long time ago. So when I was four years old, my father, unfortunately, in his early 30s, actually had cancer. Um, So kind of devastating. Um, But through, I didn't know, grace of God, luck of whatever you want to call it, um, he had an oncologist that told him to look into plant-based nutrition. And this is back in like the early nineties. I'm, I'm definitely aging myself here, but like, you know, mint, 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 mint alert, not no. <laughs> in the early nineties when, you know, the idea of vegetarianism, plant-based nutrition was pretty much unheard of, especially in Perth where I live. So whoever this oncologist is, thank you so much for coming into my life. So my dad's always been an avid researcher, like major library goer. And he was like, I'm going to do everything I can. Like, I've got a young daughter. I'm in my 30s. I am not ready to die. So he basically went to the library and read everything he could. And he stumbled across the likes of many of the names you spoke about, um, Dr. John McDougall, Cadwell Esselstyn, um, a lot of Nathan Pritikin, some of the real early um, researchers into uh, plant-based nutrition and health. And especially at the time, the, the major link that was known at that time was the risk of colon cancer and red meat. And so that's where it kind of started. So my dad actually had testicular cancer, but colon cancer as a secondary within five to 10 years of another cancer is extremely common. And that's what the oncologist had told him. He was like, if you want to avoid colon cancer and you want to see your daughter graduate, I highly recommend you stop eating red meat. And so that's where it all started. And dad was kind of like, you know, just typical Aussie, you know, barbecue on the weekend, like just living a normal, happy life. And he was like, I've never heard this before. Why have I never heard this? So he went and basically read everything, found all the research. And basically he went completely plant-based that day. 
Um, and he also um, found research on dairy products at the same time, um, kind of the IGF, the potential to stimulate cancer growth. And so my dad actually went what we would call vegan or 100% plant-based on at that stage. Um, but at the time, we always called it vegetarian because there's kind of been a history whether the word vegetarian or vegan has been used and what the definitions are. In Asian countries, vegetarian means vegan traditionally because they don't consume dairy. So kind of a mixed up, but I always called myself vegetarian growing up, but I didn't consume um, any meat or any dairy products. So that started from the age of four for me and um, continued on for basically the rest of my life. Um, I like to say some teenagers experiment with drugs and alcohol. I did experiment with uh, red meat and cheese, um, hated it, made me feel awful. Um, I was also raised with a lot of the ethical component. I generally don't talk about that when I'm talking as a medical professional. I like to stick to evidence-based, um, even though I, like, I'll be completely transparent. I classify myself as a vegan and an ethical vegan at that um, because of how I feel about the animals. But from a medical perspective, I never mention that because I feel it discredits the research and people then think you have an agenda. And so I'm honest with people about it, but that's not where my medical ideas come from. So all the medical stuff is basically based on that. So how did I end up in medicine? It's actually something I had zero desire. I was always interested in performing arts, visual arts. I, you know, I loved painting. I loved dancing. You know, I had zero interest in studying human biology and I didn't. Um, I really liked writing and I loved the idea of sharing health message with people. So I actually went into journalism initially and I loved writing articles on health, doing lit reviews and research, but just the, the lifestyle and the, the job availability wasn't really what I dreamed for. I find myself doing a lot of copy, a lot of newsprint. And it just wasn't really what I wanted. It didn't really feel in line with what I believed. So I thought, okay, where do I go from here? So I went back to university and got a degree in nutrition and exercise physiology and started working as a personal trainer. Totally loved it. Just felt I was a little bit limited. I wanted to do, I wanted to look at people's labs. I wanted to do imaging. I wanted to be able to be in that situation. I was finding some frustration. I'd be like, hey, can you go to your GP and get these labs done? And they'd come back and be like, nah, he said no. I'm like, what do you mean he said no? And it was just like really frustrating. Maybe I'm a little bit of a control freak, but I wanted to know everything about the people I was helping. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to become a doctor. So told everyone in my life, they thought I was that. I went back as a college student my entrance exams and I went into postgraduate medicine. So that was at Monash, did my four years. Long story short, um, didn't love it. Um, I think I had a skewed opinion of medicine based on my dad's history. I was very passionate about lifestyle medicine, plant-based nutrition, exercise, sleep, meditation, all that kind of part. And I found myself not really being able to do an awful lot of that. I found appointments were really short. Um, a lot of it was medical management, which I'm not against. I'm a traditionally trained medical doctor, but I did find I didn't have the balance that I wanted. I think emergency medicine is great. You know, break your leg, go to the emergency room, get surgery, fantastic. But for chronic disease management, it just wasn't really in line with what I believed in. So Fast track forward, my final year in medical school, I did an elective at True North Health in Santa Rosa, which a lot of people that listen to your podcast are probably familiar with, and it was absolutely life-changing for me. So one step before that, I went to PBNHC or the Plant-Based Nutritional Healthcare Conference. Uh, that year it was in Anaheim in California and was just 
blown away by all the speakers. I was like, I found my people. These people are saying what I thought Madison was. And I was like, just the most fantastic weekend. I like went to every single lecture. I was like this, trying not to fall asleep. I was so like ramped up and I'm like running around and had the greatest time. At that time I met Jenny and Malcolm, met a ton of people in Australia and I was like, I'm home. I found my people. So then I went to True North. I actually went there because at the conference, I heard Dr. Goldhammer speak and I've told him this to his face. I thought he was a total liar. I was like, as if you get results like that. I remember looking, he has this brilliant graph on hypertension and it was showing the drops and people were dropping their blood pressure by like 80 points. I had never seen that in a medical setting. I have put people on five different hypertensive, anti-hypertensive drugs and have never got those results. Sure, I can get it down 20 or 30, but 80, that's like IV hydralazine or something in the hospital to drop your blood pressure. Being like someone does a water fast and then eats the diet I believe in and they can drop their blood pressure. I was like, as if. And then hearing that they're fasting and they're not eating, I was like, dude, I don't know. I don't know about this. I'm really not sure. So I sent him a message and I was like, hi, Dr. Goldhammer. You know, I saw your lecture. I'm kind of skeptical. I'm a medical student. Can I come and be an intern? And he writes back. He's like, sure. So organized it, went there. I think I was there for eight weeks, basically shadowed Dr. Clapper, worked as an intern. So all the morning rounds, got to see the amazing results. It was absolutely like pinpoint life-changing moment in my life. Um, And I was, I remember ringing up my now husband and saying, you know what, if it wasn't for you, I think I'm just going to quit med school and I'm just going to stay here. I think I'm done. I love it here. I just want to work here for the rest of my life. But obviously that's not the greatest idea when you've been at university for eight years, probably should graduate. I only had half a year left. I had six months left. I was like, fine, I'll come back. But before I left, I was like, Dr. Goldhammer, how can I form a life like this. I want to help patients like you do at True North. I want people to get better. I want to take them off their medications. I want to see them get well. The stuff I was seeing, things like diabetes reversed in 10 days, Um, you know, people with rheumatoid arthritis getting better, peripheral neuropathy, endometriosis, Crohn's, colitis. It was just, I could go on forever, but it was just amazing. I was like, I want this life. And they said to me, they were like, have you ever heard of Loma Linda? And I was like, yeah, I know that place. Dad's told me about the Adventist health studies. And I remember reading them as a kid. And for anyone that doesn't know, these are probably the biggest studies on vegetarian and vegan nutrition in the world. They've been going on for, I don't even remember when they start, definitely mid-90s, maybe earlier. Huge cohort studies, 70,000 people still ongoing, major, major, major research. And um, I don't want to distract too much, but the reason they're so good is because most people there do not smoke, do not drink, and they are health conscious and they exercise regularly. But about 50% follows a plant-based diet and about 50% eats a healthy small amount of meat in their diet. So otherwise healthy diet, small amount of meat. So it basically sets up the perfect clinical trial. And that's why those studies are so powerful. Anyway, long story short, looked into Loma Linda, found that they have um, preventive medicine. I didn't even know that was a residency, but it's board certified in preventive medicine. Read through the thing, was basically like, this is me. I remember sitting in my little room at True North, yelling on the bed, being like, I have found my dream job. 
So then kind of the thing, I'm like, okay, how do I stay here? Getting residency in the US is no fun task. And anyone that wants to do it, I applaud you. Um, I encourage you if you're passionate about it. But then basically delve into, I was studying 16, 17 hours a day to sit my step exams, which are essential to practice medicine in the US, because I kind of left it to the last minute. Um, But I was like so passionate about it. I actually had to decline my uh, guaranteed job in Melbourne. So every medical student is guaranteed a job uh, in the state they graduate at the time of my graduation. I had to say no. (laughs) So in order to qualify, because otherwise there'd be some complications with internships. So I turned it down, not having a job. So I had to turn it down in July and I wouldn't find out to the following March if I had a job in the US. Oh, wow. Yeah. So kind of a little bit scary, but basically threw myself headfirst into it. I contacted them. I went over and met them. It was just everything I hoped and dreamed. One of my favorite doctors at work, Dr. Studer, she did everything she could to get me in. And lo and behold, March came and I matched. And so the match is like the process of getting in. And it was literally like the happiest day of my life. I was so, 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 so happy. And so I moved to California and now I'm living in the blue zone and I love my job so much. Was your husband fine to move over there with you? (laughs) So, yeah, my husband is amazing um, and he knows it, which is good. (laughs) The thing the thing with us is actually when we we met, I think I was like third year of medical school and I had always wanted to practice medicine in the US because after going to the conferences, I was like, there's so much more. All these plant based doctors that I knew of, they all lived in the US. And I was like, I want to live in the US because I know that I'm going to be a plant based nutrition, lifestyle medicine, whatever you want to call it. I knew that was going to be me. So I always wanted to move to the U.S. So actually, when I met my husband, I said to him, when I graduate medical school in two years, it's highly likely I'm going to move to the U.S. If this is not in line with what you believe, we probably shouldn't date. <laughs> so he knew that from the beginning. I was pretty blunt that, you know, typical career-seeking woman. I was like, I don't know what I want, like, you know, whatever. Who needs a man? <laughs> but no, he's extremely supportive. Uh, and he was like, you know what? He wasn't. He had a great job, but wasn't passionate about it. I had no job, but was extremely passionate. So he was like, you know what, follow your dreams, I'll support you. So that's kind of where we're at. I'm very, very, very lucky to have him. Oh, that is so wonderful. And I think that that's a thing that lots of people struggle with is the the family members and people around them not supporting their their passions or this lifestyle or whatever. So it was wonderful to hear that he does and he supported you to go and do the work that you're doing. So now you're in Loma Linda, California. California and how long have you been there for? So I moved there in it would be June 2017. Yes and what is your work like? Yeah so I am now I actually changed initially initially I was in what we call general or categorical preventive medicine I actually switched now I'm in the combination which means I'm doing two residencies at once Um, I'm doing family and preventive medicine now so family medicine is similar to what we would call general practitioner in Australia but it's also a general physician at the same time so I can do inpatient and outpatient medicine And then preventive medicine is a huge scope. It's anything from like public health, population medicine, global medicine, lifestyle medicine. It's really hard to explain, but very, very broad options. So the reason I'm doing both is because the family medicine part lets me work in a hospital and in primary care as an outpatient physician. Um, And then the lifestyle lets me practice lifestyle medicine. So I'm in the lifestyle tract 
which means that I'm predominantly going to go into lifestyle medicine. This means that all our electives are focused in lifestyle medicine. Um, in a couple of weeks, there's a clinic in California called Lifestyle Medicine Solutions, which is outpatient lifestyle medicine. Um, many people go to the McDougal program. Um, there's a program called Take 10 in Northern California as well, which is a plant-based lifestyle intensive retreat. So we do all those as our medical electives, and then we focus our research into um, plant-based nutrition as well. Wow. And so what has been some of the the highlights of your career so far? <laughs> it's it's so crazy because the talk that I'm giving for the Doctors uh, doctors for Nutrition Healthcare Conference is basically all about Loma Linda. It's called Living and Working in the Blue Zone. And when I was writing it, I was like, man, I've had so many awesome opportunities come my way. And it's been really hard to say no to anything. I just want to say yes, because it's so exciting. Um, but my first year was a general intern year, but I did do a month of research. And this was really exciting because I got to work with one of the lead authors from the Adventist Health Studies, uh, Dr. Michael Orlich. Um, he's super, super famous. If you look at any of the Adventist Health, he's almost always at least lead author or one of the authors. So I got from him and we actually wrote a book chapter together on um, nutrition, and, like vegetarianism, nutrition and cancer. So it was really near and dear to my heart because obviously that's where my whole journey started. Um, and we actually got published. So that was really exciting for me. So I can now say I have a publication. Um, so that's in like a, in a book, uh, a textbook on vegetarianism and health. Um, and we have the cancer chapter. So that was really, really um, special to me for many reasons. Um, other than that, what else do we have going on? Loma Linda is a pilot site at the moment for, it's called the Lifestyle Medicine Resident Curriculum. And I think it is, I want to say 20 or four, 20 to 40 hours of basically all lifestyle medicine. Um, there's nutrition, there's physical activity, addiction, stress reduction, um, and it all comes together basically in one to two hours every couple of weeks. Um, dedicated to teaching residents the real specifics of how to help patients. So that's been super, super cool. It's going to be a big clinical trial. I think there's five pilot sites over the US at the moment. So that's really exciting to me, really what I believe in, like how do we help patients um, get well? Um, we're also, I'm working on, um, similarly to that, we're having a culinary curriculum um, and nutritional prescriptions. So where we Basically, the main goal is to compare what you can do with nutrition versus drugs. So when you have patients that are like, you know, I want to come off my medications, there's a lot of studies out that actually do direct comparisons. I think it's like one of the ones I remember doing in my talk on hypertension was it's like two tablespoons of flaxseed is the same as the medication Captopril, 20 milligrams twice a day. Like that's pretty cool. Don't get me wrong. You're going to get people that go, I don't want to eat flaxseed, but for other people, you're like, hey, if you just eat some flaxseed, you don't need to take these medications. And a lot of the people I work with are very, um, you know, they're struggling financially and flaxseeds are a hell of a lot cheaper than medications. So that's really, that's really, really exciting. I'm trying to think what else have we got going on? Just everything's really cool. They're, they're, um, they're the first hospital that I'm aware of in the United States that has inpatient intensive lifestyle medicine. So if you're a host, like if you're in the hospital for whatever reason, um, you know, you could come in with a broken leg and we're going to come knocking on the door and be like, Hey, you know, your diabetes that you also have, like, this is like whole food, plant-based nutrition, and this is how you can get well. And that's really exciting. Cause that's like a point where 
you know, if you go to the stages of motivational interviewing, a lot of people, that's their like, I'm ready because they're in the hospital and no one wants to be in the hospital. And you can be like, hey, you can get well and avoid being in the hospital again. So it's a really good critical point to catch them. And then we follow up. We have lifestyle visits in the outpatient setting as well. So you can follow up and keep tracking them and help them out. And that's been really exciting for me. Some of the results I've seen, it's been it's been really cool to catch people in the hospital setting. You know, they'll come in with uncontrolled diabetes, uncontrolled hypertension, and you can help them and then see them in the clinic and see them get well. And it's really exciting. That sounds fantastic. Making me, my husband, I'm not doing another degree. Don't worry. I'm not going back to medicine. <laughs> I already have enough degrees. <laughs> but I love studying. So it's fascinating what you're talking about and, and getting to, you know, I would love to, just be able to be in your in your pocket while you're helping all these people and seeing what they're that they're transforming before your eyes, which is incredible. It is. It's it's very very cool. And I I don't know if I mentioned it. Loma Linda itself is a vegetarian hospital, um, so that's super helpful because then the food that we're telling them to eat. Don't get me wrong. It's not perfect. But it's so much better than, for example, I work in the veterans hospital and I remember I was on the cardiac ward and you walk around the next day and there's bacon and eggs and waffles and syrup for breakfast. I'm like, guys, you just had a heart attack. <laughs> so that was a struggle. That was a challenge. But at least in Loma Linda, we do have the, the plant-based options. Um, East Campus in particular, which is the family medicine inpatient hospital and rehab, um, actually has vegan Thursdays. And then they actually have whole food plant-based options in both the cafeteria and available to patients. Um, it's, it's a work in process. Um, I would say maybe 50% of the staff are on board with going. For, so everyone's on board with vegetarianism, which is a huge step in the right direction. Going from vegetarian to whole food plant-based, a little bit restrictive for some people, don't quite appreciate it, but I think we're getting there. And, we, you know, it's really helpful to be able to show people and see the patients get better because, you know, one thing that I think a lot of people don't realize about doctors or dietitians or anyone in healthcare is often the exposure just hasn't been there, but they're very science-minded and evidence-based. And if you're like, hey, read this paper, um, look at the you know objective numbers, look at my patient's blood pressure, look at their cholesterol, look at their A1C, and they're like, oh, man, they got way better. Okay, cool, we'll do that. I think that people, like, I don't really believe in the, the controversies that, you know, doctors want people to be sick and it's all a money-making thing. Trust me, as a resident, I don't get paid if I prescribe drugs or not. It makes no difference. Um, you know, maybe, maybe in the future I might, but... But at the end of the day, I don't think anyone's out there to make patients sick. It's just what exposure have you had and haven't had. And, you know, not everyone's lucky like me to have been to True North and have actually seen it. And I think once you see it, you can't deny it. And then it's just, you know, growing people. And that's why the resident curriculum is so good because it's like, hey, this is what we can do. And that's really empowering. And I think that the more that physicians know, the more they can help their patients. I think that that's incredible. And I, I love that the more I'm hearing from people, the guests I'm interviewing in the States, is it seems like more and more doctors are being exposed to a whole food plant-based diet and the healing potential that it has as far as chronic disease goes. Um, how do you find navigating that world like obviously you're in the perfect place as you say you found your people which is awesome but through medical school how did you find sitting over as a whole food plant-based student amongst a whole sea of students who've 
have never even heard of it and in going along with the status quo was it was it difficult to sit and listen to like was was there much nutrition talk during your degree here in Australia yeah I probably actually I will answer your question in one second but one thing I want to backtrack to that I think is really important is whilst I do work in Loma Linda and whilst the people that live in Loma Linda are definitely I'm definitely both the staff I work with and the patients that I see that are local, yeah, I'm in a very privileged position. What a lot of people don't know is we serve the Inland Empire, which encompasses San Bernardino, which is one of the highest crime rates, highest poverty uh, locations in the entirety of the United States. So I'm having people come to me that are homeless, they don't have medical insurance, they have literally no money, um, and have never heard of a whole food plant-based diet. You know, most of them don't have a higher school education. Um, and we're getting results with those people too. So I want to detract that it's not just that I work in this great place where everyone's open to it. Like definitely, definitely not. Um, and I feel like that's really empowering is it's not just, you know, this little mecca of healthiness. Um, and I, I really, I really emphasize that. So going back to what you were saying about medical school, So I went to Monash Medical School and the way that it was structured actually means that different medical students had different experiences because we did clinical placements at different hospitals. So I was in Cabrini uh, for a lot of mine and was blown away actually by the amount of nutritional information and, and lectures that we actually got. And most of them were very in line with what I believed in. Um, they were very evidence-based. And anyone that looks at the medical research in nutrition, as you know, the last five years, it has just exploded with whole food plant-based. Um, and it's kind of hard to deny, especially with the World Health Organization coming out about red meat and the carcinogens. And we were taught that in medical school. So for me, it wasn't really a challenge. I don't really recall having a lot of um, teaching in medical school that I didn't believe in. Obviously, you know, I know a lot of people talk about nutrition and doctors getting nutrition, but for me, medical school was the foundation of the human body. And when you understand how the human body works, the physics, the biochemistry, the chemistry, you know, everything about the human body, nutrition makes a lot of sense. So even if it wasn't specifically nutrition, um, what we were learning, it was like, oh, well, that makes a lot of sense because we're talking about inflammation. Well, what foods decrease inflammation and that kind of, that kind of aspect. Um, I used it more as an opportunity. Every time I could do a research project, every time I could do a presentation, I would do it on what is the evidence we have for plant-based nutrition. Um, one of the biggest talks I gave um, at Box Hill Hospital actually was should we care what our patients eat? And, you know, it was really empowering for me because so many of my colleagues, they were like, I never knew this. They were like, is this? And they're like, I can see that it's true because you've got the evidence. And that's kind of the biggest thing that I push with and, and why going back to what I said before, why I try not to talk about any other reason, no veganism, no environmental aspects. It's like, no, no, no. Like you go to PubMed, you go to UpToDate, you go to BMJ, you go to Kaiser Permanente Journal, you go to the journals that we trust and they're publishing this information. This is not me. This is not my bias. This is what we know about human health. And this is what's being published about human health. And I feel like when you come at researchers, medical professionals with hard to argue with evidence, randomized controlled trials, placebo controlled trials, and you're getting these results, it's like, well, we say we practice evidence, sorry, excuse me, evidence-based medicine. This is the evidence. If you're not practicing this, you are not practicing evidence-based medicine. 
Very good point. And I love that. And I think it is really encouraging for me to hear, and I guess I hope my listen, our listeners to hear, that it is things are changing so much in school and that you did have such a positive experience um, whilst, while studying medicine in, in, our, in Australia and, and, and now you're having a similar experience during your residency in the States. Well, do you know what I mean? <laughs> as far as... Well, yeah. And I think that we're trying to get it to be earlier and earlier. So I know Dr. Clapper's big project. I spoke to him just recently at one of the conferences. He is touring around, speaking to medical students, being like, this is what nutrition can do. Um, I'm very heavily involved with the professionals in training American College of Lifestyle Medicine. Um, and our goal is to create what's called LMIGs or Lifestyle Medicine Interest Groups in every medical school in the United States. Because if you get them when they're medical students and again, like they see the evidence, they see the power of it, more and more people are getting on board. And it's not even so much that we want everyone to be passionate about it. It's just to know that it's an option. So, you know, for me, say I get a patient um, that has cancer, I'm going to send them to an oncologist. But what I want to happen is if someone has diabetes and they don't know what to do with it, be like, I'm going to send you to a doctor that knows about lifestyle medicine. Just to know that it's an option is huge because medicine's all about referrals. You know, everyone can't know everything about everything. But knowing, like, if someone's like, I don't want to take medications and I want to get well, what are my options? It's like, I'm going to send you to lifestyle medicine. That's what I would love to see, that it's recognized as a legitimate evidence-based way of healing disease as an option for people that don't want the traditional route or as an adjunct to the traditional route because it's not going to hurt you if you take drugs at the same time as eating well. They're not mutually exclusive. Some people need a little bit of both. Absolutely. And I love that because when I first went to the Gola Foundation here with, with my, for my multiple sclerosis, Dr. George Jelinek, he was so wonderful in talking to patients and just saying, you know, you don't have to put all your eggs in one basket of whole food, plant-based eating. You can also, you know, utilize the traditional therapies available for multiple sclerosis and the drug treatments available so that you just feel safe and secure whilst whilst journeying down whole food plant based living as well so to, to to do the combine the two and get your more bang for your buck if you if you want to do that for me I didn't want to do that but for somebody else who is particularly frightened or particularly whatever this is perfect it's perfect to be able to say you know to have have both you don't have to feel like you just have to do whole food plant-based if you're scared or that you're worried about legitimate worries about your your health. I think it's really, really important to be willing to to try both if you if you think that's what's needed. Exactly. And one of the things I've heard I've heard Dr. Gregor say it a lot and I definitely say it with my patients because everyone will come in with whatever their disease is, whatever their weakness is, you know, whatever you want to call it. Say they are, you know, might have glaucoma or they have rheumatoid arthritis, they have psoriasis, and they're like, will whole food plant-based cure this one thing that's my issue? And it's like, at the end of the day, like, for example, with MS, you know, what's the last thing you need if you already have MS? What about heart disease, cancer, diabetes? Like, none of these are going to help your situation. And they're the ones we have evidence for. So it's like, okay, great. It may not help your fungal toenail, for example, but it's going to prevent everything else. So then your fungal toenail is kind of like a drop in the ocean. You don't have five other chronic diseases at the same time. And then we can address that. Say, it, you know, let's say the whole food plant-based diet doesn't work for your specific condition. We can use traditional medicine, but we can help so much else of your life with it. 
Or the other thing you were saying, sometimes, you know, it depends where you fit in the picture. But for me, as a medical trained doctor, if someone comes in with a blood pressure of 250, I'm probably going to give you IV drugs just to get it down immediately. And then we can talk about how much sodium you're eating. Like, let's get you back to baseline and then we'll try and prevent the problems. But in the meantime, where you've got this pounding headache and I'm worried you're about to stroke out on me, let's just get it down. And I've seen that... Um, you know, I've worked a little bit on the periphery with the Sherazides, Dean and Aisha. They're awesome. They work at Loma Linda as well. They're known for the Alzheimer's solution. And I've worked in their neurology clinic. And they very often put people on hypertensive, antihypertensive medications and medications initially. And then they say, as you get better, and this happens when you have a patient that commits, not even 100% half the time, but just commits to changing their lifestyle and their nutrition, their blood pressure is going to come down to the point where you have to take them off medications because otherwise they're going to pass out on you. So that can be a really nice way that I like to use with people, especially like, you know, a diabetic that comes in on insulin. It's like, all right, let's switch your diet. We're going to look at your blood sugars. And this is where the hospital part of it is actually really fun because I can check your blood pressure six times a day. Sorry, your blood sugar six times a day. I can titrate your insulin every single day and see what happens when you eat certain foods, see what foods make your blood sugar go up and really empower the patient to know that they can, you know, improve it. They can come down on their insulin. They can come off their insulin often. They can come off their metformin and it's really empowering for them. Like that's what I like about it. It's like at the end of the day, it's giving the power back to the patient. I have no ego. I don't care if you get well deep down. Like I do, but at the end of the day, it's your life. So I just want to be like, these are all the options we have. What resonates with you and what do you want to do to get well? That's what I kind of like about it. It's so good. And I really love that too. I think it's for me, I I started like a little thing ages ago called Take the Power Back. And that's what it is. It was a little Facebook group. But I um. Um, was a long time ago, but anyway, it's it, that's what it feels like for me. At the crux of whole food, plant based eating, is that you're getting the power back. You know, I handed over all my power to neurologists and GPs years and years ago when I was first diagnosed, and and it's it is completely dis- well. It felt for me personally completely disempowering to have them say you're going to get sicker and sicker and sicker until you die. And to listen to them and say, wow, that's just such a heavy thing to tell someone. Um, and and then to, to, to adopt a whole food plant-based diet and to now be over 10 years symptom and relapse free. It's just, it is empowering. It is so empowering to feel like, wow, I feel so good. And when I left my health in completely in somebody else's hands I felt so terrible and I was just getting sicker and sicker he was right like I was getting sicker and sicker and more and more miserable and unhappy deep in my heart because <laughs> I just felt so hopeless Aww, until until I found a whole food plant-based diet and then I just felt so good that here I am that's amazing. 10 years relapse free. That's empowering. Like, that's cool. I'm so glad you have a podcast because people need to hear that. It's, it's good. Now we have four, I think four or five multiple sclerosis stories on the podcast wow. already. And there's there's more to come. There's more to come. There's lots of people with multiple sclerosis who, who are benefiting from this way of eating, which is really, really exciting. And I love getting multiple episodes of multiple 
chronic diseases over and over again. So people can't yeah. can't just say it's a one-off. Well, now there's multiple yeah. rheumatoid arthritis <laughs> stories. There's multiple type yeah. 2 diabetes stories. There's multiple heart disease. There's multiple terminal mm-hmm. cancer. There's multiple lots of things. So it's really, really a great time um, as we move into the almost getting close to 100 episodes, which is I'm very excited about. That's awesome. Big congratulations. That's cool. Yeah, it's really exciting. So the conference, you're going to be talking about Blue Zones for the conference, living and working in a Blue Zone? Yeah, I'm doing two talks, actually. One is in the main conference, and that's the one. I think the working title we have at the moment is Living and Working in a Blue Zone. Um, Loma Linda is obviously one of the Blue Zones of the world, Um, Dan Buettner's famous book. Can we just pause there? And can you just, for anyone who hasn't heard of Blue Zones, come on, Renee. Give us, <laughs> give us some information about the Blue give Zones, a-, a summary of Dan Butner's work. <laughs> <laughs> so Blue Zones is basically looking at the parts of the world that have the highest life expectancies in the world or the most centenarians, as it's known. So I, I know the most about Loma Linda, but, for example, residents in Loma Linda are 10 times more likely to live to 100 than the typical American. The average life expectancy for males in Loma Linda is 89, and the Average life expectancy for women is 91 in Loma Linda, and that's at least 10 years longer than the national average. Pretty cool. The most important thing to also bring up in Loma Linda in particular, because obviously I live there and I know that, is this is 91 years in good health. This is not 91 years of having chronic disease from the age 50. I, it's funny, I wrote up a, like a sample sample patient. And it's, this is not uncommon. Someone will come into my office, like GP clinic, you know, 90 years old, medical history, childbirth 60 years ago. Have you ever been in the hospital again? No, no, I had two babies. Okay. Are you on any medications? No, I'm not on any, you know, their body mass index is healthy. You know, any medical conditions? Oh, I had a cough six months ago, lasted about two days. Okay. What do you do? Oh, I love walking in the mountains. I do water aerobics at the gym. I babysit all my great grandchildren. Okay. So what brings you here today? Oh, I'm here for my annual physical and my flu shot. (laughs) Like, okay, you're awesome. That is not uncommon to see. It's pretty cool. That is so exciting. Now I want to move to Loma Linda. (laughs) But please don't like, the, the work of Dan Butner, they try to isolate things. So there's a pretty common table that, you know, the typical ones in Loma Linda, they have a healthy social circle. Um, culturally, they're faith-based, really, really lots of family, friends, importance of that kind of thing. Loma Linda is a non-smoking town. Um, it's also predominantly a dry town. There's no alcohol sold in the Loma Linda stores on the outside so you can get it. But it's not specifically in, like, the Loma Linda market. Um, so no smoking, no alcohol, no drugs. They're very physically active people um, and they follow a, a plant-based diet, um, predominantly whole grains, a lot of soy and legumes, lots and lots of fruits and vegetables. The average Loma Linda centenarian eats over 50% of their diet from fruits and vegetables. Um, then you get sort of legumes and soy and then there's a, about, like I said, 50% would be 100% plant-based and then the other 50% has, you know, maybe 4 to 5% meat. So even the meat eaters in Loma Linda have a very low meat diet compared to the average population. It's crazy to think in within one nation there can be so many different ways of existing and that's not – obviously that's obvious and it happens everywhere. In Australia we have this, a similar 
places and spaces where it's like that. But Loma Linda to be 10 times more likely to live to 100 is pretty incredible figures. And and I just don't know. I'd love to know the origin of Loma Linda, like how it became, how it became this this way. How did the town? How did the town? Where did it start from? Who decided <laughs> dry, no smoking? Yeah. So I think just to take a step back before I answer that question, what you were saying, the craziest part of it is, you know, you cross the train tracks and you're in San Bernardino. The life expectancy for your average male in in San Bernardino is fifty nine. So you literally cross the train tracks and you lose 30 years of your life. Like that's insanity to me. But going back to what you were saying, how did it come about? Now, I've definitely had lectures on this that I probably should have paid more attention to. But the fundamentals is it is a Seventh-day Adventist um, community. So that's where most of the beliefs come from, um, LNG White and basically the faith and the beliefs of the church that's where the the rules come from so I get rules that's probably the wrong word I'm clearly showing that I shouldn't have said that but um you know there there's kind of this 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 level of you know body is my temple and I shouldn't abuse it you know we're given this great body from God um LNG White definitely promotes things like vegetarianism they denounce caffeine by the way, I didn't mention that. Probably the only caffeine-free hospital in the world. Uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, no tobacco, no alcohol, no flesh foods. And that's kind of where it comes from. That There's there's many, many, many aspects to Adventist belief. But if we're just talking about the nutritional aspect, it's, it's basically body is my temple, flesh foods are not for humans. That is fascinating. I could immerse myself in listening about how it was started and how the community – it's it just it just shows you that the possibility of what what life can be like if you eat and live cleanly and simply it's it's pretty amazing and it it's it's so funny because you can almost play a game of spot the adventist in loma linda it's it's not even a joke like you go to the gym and you can spot them you can tell who lives and breathes this lifestyle and has done for their entire life they're just like these healthy old people even the younger people like they just kind of glow they're slim they're fit they're healthy like you know and it's not it's not to say that physical appearance is everything like I said the most impressive thing to me as a medical doctor is the fact that they have no medical problems and they're on no medications that's rare but there's just like a glow and health and like with the Adventist health studies, the plant-based people on average are the only ones with a healthy BMI and you see it. They're the only slim people that come in my office. You know, it, it, it was mind blowing for me moving from Australia. I would say my average patient has a BMI of 40. That's crazy. And then I have the flip side where I have all these slim, healthy, fit people with nothing wrong with them, and they're all the ones following the plant-based lifestyle. They're the ones that are taking care of themselves. So it's definitely a stark comparison to see for sure. It would be. I can't imagine living in a place where, like you say, across the tracks you lose 30 years of your life. So your, your two demographics are so vastly different and – and that would be really fascinating and frustrating, I imagine, to to know that it's just geographical and, you know, like obviously socioeconomical and all of those factors that are involved in 
in poverty and on in lack of education and information around nutrition and all of those different differing resources and those kind of things. But it's it would be frustrating to think, gosh, it's you're you're twenty meters away and yet you're losing thirty years of your life just from being twenty meters from this side of town. How do you how do you support that? How do you move in that or help to address those disparities? Is that the word I'm looking for? Yeah, yeah. Inequality, disparities. Inequality. How do you how do you help to bridge the gap, I guess? Like you say, the statistics are crazy and it's just crazy to think of the difference in location geographically. Um, there's kind of two ways that I've gone about it. And the first one is very selfish, but it's really seeing that no matter who you are or where you live, the, the power of plant-based nutrition works regardless. And so that's been kind of cool for me to see. It's like, well, yeah, well, doesn't really matter. You can get well. And that's really empowering. The practicalities of it is also really empowering because you, you know, tell me you haven't heard this before. Oh, I could never do a plant-based diet. It's so expensive. And it's like, are you kidding me? Meat is like $50 a kilogram. You find me a banana that costs $50 a kilogram. Like, no, you know, rice and beans, they're like the cheapest foods you can get. But it's empowering people to know that. Like, and I... You know, in, in the US, we have dollar stores. And I say to my patients, go to the dollar store. Because some of them only have like, you know, a budget, maybe $20 a week, and they have food stamps. But the food stamps are renewable. The I'm like, go and get whatever produce you can get. If you can't afford that, you go to the dollar store and you buy frozen fruits and vegetables as cheap as you can, as many as you can. Buy dried rice and dried beans. These foods are cents per meal. You know, even, you know, I'm up against fighting the dollar menus at fast food places that we won't name that are 50 to the billion on every street corner. And they are promising meals for a dollar, big meals for a dollar. And that can be a challenge to to shift that mindset that, you know, you're going to have to put in a little bit more effort, but not a lot, but you are going to get well. And it's really that education of like, you know, you can go to these cheap supermarkets and buy nutritious food on a budget, on pennies. Like you do not need money to do this. And I've been able to prove that because these patients don't have any money. Yeah, cool. You're not going to be getting the latest vegan ice cream or, you know, vegan cake or all this fancy vegan junk food that we really don't need anyway. No, you're not going to get that. Sorry. But if you want the basics, it's so cheap and affordable and you can do it. And one of the other issues, like a lot of these people, their biggest issue in life is finances. They're uninsured. They've got low paying jobs. They're struggling. And to be like, you know what? I can halve your food bill and you're going to get well and you're going to probably stop paying for half of your medications. Like, that's empowering. A lot of them don't even really care or don't even believe in it. But it's like, hey, if I can save money, like that's motivating for me. And then it's like, oh, I'm also well. And now I can get a better job because, you know, my chronic knee pain from osteoarthritis is better now. So I can get a more physical job and, you know, I can go and work a higher paying labor job. Just little things like that. They don't really have anything to do with health. But one of the biggest things that I love about Loma Linda is we do what's called whole person care. And it's people not patients. And it's trying to help every aspect because we know, and it's sad, but like you say, inequality kills. It just does. Being educated, having a high paying job, 
you know, living in an affluent area add years to your life. And that's sad that we live in that world. And that's why I love working in these communities that need help because it's, that's not fair. You should not have your life expectancy determined on where you were born. But like I said, on the flip side, it's kind of fun and kind of empowering to be like, hey, it works. This is cool. And getting results in those areas. Yes. I love that. So before we wind up, I would love for people to be able to find, where can they find you aside from at the Austral Asian Nutrition in Healthcare Conference on the 15th, 16th and 17th here in Melbourne, which you can go to the Doctors for Nutrition Facebook page to get those tickets. If you haven't got some and you're wanting to get in, get in and hear all the great speakers and watch all the great documentary films and eat all the delicious foods that the Doctors for Nutrition founders have organized for everyone at their conference on that weekend where else can we find you on social media or online do you have a website or a blog or anything like that yeah sure so I'm kind of in the process of changing my blog over I do blog not overly regularly but I love trying to put out articles and helping people I'm transitioning I will send you um Corinne I'll send you all the links so you can include them because my name Renee is spelled kind of funky r-e-n-a-e but everything I have pretty much is at Dr. Renee Thomas and my website will be drreneethomas.com when that's ready um but if you do happen to be in the Inland Empire, you can come and see me face to face. And I'd love to meet anyone that's in that area. But I know that's not really your target audience. But well, there's, it's probably about 50-50 these days. So. Awesome. Awesome. Um, you know, eventually, um, eventually once I'm licensed, I'd like to offer online consults and things like that. But not quite at that stage yet. So for now, sharing on social media, feel free to reach out. If you have any questions, I'm always happy to help people for sure. Oh, wonderful. And so what would be your three top tips? Thinking about living and working in a blue zone, what is what is your three top tips for anyone who's wanting to adopt a low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet? Yeah, for sure. So one of the biggest things that I really get across to people is any step in the right direction is a good step. I feel like a lot of people get, you know, the the curse of trying to be perfect and feeling guilty or bad if they slip up. And it's like, no, 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 it's it's the majority of what you do that matters. It doesn't matter if you fall off the bandwagon every now and then. Like, you know, some people maybe don't have that luxury, but for everyone, like, you know, it's just meeting people where they're at and making the changes that you can make for life. You know, really common things I say to people like, hey, let's just start with your milk. Your milk that you put in your cereal and your coffee, let's make that plant-based and do that for a while. And then it becomes your new normal. Um, I think it's, is it Andrew Davies that uses that term? I absolutely yes. love it. Yes, absolutely love great. that term because then it just becomes normal and you no longer buy cow's milk anymore. You start buying almond milk and then all of a sudden it's not really a big deal. And then you go, okay, what about meatless Mondays? And then, you know, every Monday night you go and get Mexican and beans instead and you try that and that goes well. And then you think, well, I'm going to batch cook for my lunches. Let's make them plant-based. And it's just for most people, a slow transition works well. There's definitely people, myself included, that are like black and white, let's do it overnight. But that's not the majority of people. Most people are slow transitioners. And it's just finding new favorites. Um, I encourage people not to try and replace their old favorites. You are never going to make plant-based meat that tastes like real meat, maybe. I don't know, Beyond Burger, they're trying pretty hard. I don't know. I've never really eaten meat, so I'm a bad judge of that. But um, I feel like you just creating new things that you love being like I love a good bowl of oatmeal and I don't think about what I used to have and trying to replicate that it's like hey all this new stuff is great and getting excited about that I really really like that aspect um so that's probably my thing just 
try and make it fun, sustainable, enjoyable, because then you'll stick with it. And what it, you know, the greatest diet on paper doesn't do anything for your health if you can't stick with it. I really love that. It's fun, sustainable, and enjoyable what I'm going to take away <laughs> because as your tip. Because <laughs> yeah. You're right. It is Not everyone is willing to go whole food plant-based overnight. And for most of us, it's going to be a series of trial and error and like a journey with tons of ebbs and flows and making it enjoyable and fun and trying new recipes and foods is an awesome way to get people to become excited about it and um, and maintain it for life. The the perfectionist, is it the perfectionist? I think you were trying to think of the same. The same uh, yes. Same. It's like don't let perfection get in the way of progress or something. There's some good saying like that. Yes, there like, is. That is it. I can't remember it at the moment. Is that it? Something <laughs> like that. But, yes, don't let perfection get in the way of progress. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's it. I like it. We're going to roll with that. Well, you're rolling with that. Yeah, be easy on yourself. And I think that we say that every single week. And some people might want to try and replace some foods that they want, but it is, Renee is right. You, it's never going to taste exactly like the the cheese of your youth or the, or the thing of your youth. Or maybe it will one day. Maybe they'll will make it. But often when once they've made it taste like that, they've done so many other things terrible to the food that it's no longer food. Exactly. And that's where I think that, you know, being promoting a whole food plant-based diet is kind of where we need to go. Like, it's so funny because when I grew up, like you couldn't even get soy milk in the supermarket in Perth. It was crazy. And we'd go somewhere and I'd be like, oh, I'm a vegetarian. And they're like, how about chicken? (laughs) No, that's not quite what I mean. You know, I didn't meet another vegan or plant-based eater until I was in my 20s. And I was like, oh, man, someone else does this. I'm not the crazy family. Um, I would say growing is awesome, but I do I do think that I, whilst I think from an ethical and environmental perspective, all these vegan junk foods are great. From a health perspective, I think it's a recipe for disaster. And I think people keeping that in mind, because that's when a lot of people are like, hey, I didn't really get any, you know, I went, I went vegan or I went plant-based and I didn't really get the results I was hoping for. And you look at what they're eating and, you know, they're eating cheese that's coagulated oil. They're eating cakes and processed foods and all this, like, you know, there's so many things accidentally vegan, you know, cooking. Doritos, Oreos. Right. And then it's like, oh, the vegan diet doesn't work. I'm like, you're not even eating food. So that's where I kind of, I, I really think we need a better catchphrase. Whole food plant-based is a freaking mouthful. Sorry. We need a good catchy term but until then fruits vegetables whole grains legumes nuts and seeds full stop full stop (laughs) thank you so much renee for coming on the show thank you so much for having me Thank you so much, Renee, for coming on the show. Thank you all so much for listening. And don't forget to get yourself some tickets to the Australasian Nutrition in Healthcare Conference being held in Melbourne at the Docklands. Tickets can be found over at the Doctors for Nutrition Facebook page and probably the doctorsfornutrition.org website. It is going to be a fantastic event. As I said at the beginning, there are so many fantastic doctors and other experts sharing their knowledge and talking to us all about the many, many, many benefits of a whole food plant-based diet. I can't wait to see you all there. Definitely come over to me and give me a huge hug and we'll get our daily dose of love, whole food plant-based love in. And I really look forward to meeting you and listening to all these incredible doctors and just 
bathing in their knowledge. So I'll see you all there. Thank you so much to everyone who has organised this incredible event, Lucy Stegley, Dr. Helene Rocks, and so many others, Dr. Peter Johnston, Dr. Malcolm Mackay, Jenny Cameron, everyone who's involved in this event, Dr. Neil Barnard for coming all the way over here from the States and sharing his incredible knowledge with us all. I'm Renee, Dr. Renee. Every single person, thank you so much for creating an event that I hope will be running forever until everyone is whole food plant-based and it's just the way it is and we just get excited every year of re-celebrating and re-igniting our passion for whole food plant-based eating as a way of managing, preventing and reversing chronic disease. I will see you all there. Otherwise, I will see you all next week. Bye.